Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I just got back from the first cruise to sail out of a U.S. port since the pandemic began. I'm going to tell you what the experience was like. Also, I'm going to talk about gas prices, grocery stores, and what they have in common. So, last March 20th of 20, last March of 2020, I should say, we were on a cruise ship in the Caribbean when things started falling apart because of coronavirus. And I remember when we had two days left out at sea, my wife Lane was getting really nervous that they weren't going to allow us back into Fort Lauderdale. And we were able to come back into Fort Lauderdale. And that same day, Krista and her family got on a cruise in Miami. Is that right? We sure did. And it was the last cruise that went out uh, just about of any U.S. port. So you actually were even later in the craziness that began with coronavirus in the United States in March of last year. Yes. And you made it back, thank goodness. And we did too. But then my son, who is obsessed with cruises, had missed them so, so much. And what were we able to do? Book for the very first cruise to depart from any U.S. port since that time. And it was a ship called the Celebrity Edge. We'd never been on Celebrity, but it was the first one. So we had to go. Our son, who's 15, was very, very worried that there wouldn't be any kids on it at all. And he was close to right. Well, there weren't many people at all, period, because it was such an unusual kickoff cruise. Half the passengers on board were media, half. And the other half were people that were avid, avid cruisers who had been on zillions of cruises and were generally an older crowd. But Grant was able to find... 10 other teenagers, I called them the gang of 11, (laughs) and they would run around terrorizing everybody on the ship. No, they were uh, marginally well-behaved. Oh, yeah. Uh, But he had a great time. But being on this first cruise was so interesting because the CEO of parent company Royal Caribbean, Richard Fain, was on the ship. And I watched him do interviews. I talked to him briefly. Uh, when he was doing media interviews, and he was both nervous as could be, and it was such a sense of relief at the same time, because imagine what it would be like to have all those behemoth ships with the massive cost of operating them with no passengers for all those months, 
all the loans they had to pay and all the rest. And this was their first chance to make a good impression through the coverage they were getting. The morning shows were there, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, NBC Today Show, CNN's morning show. They were all on the pool deck doing their morning shows that Monday after the ship sailed. And the impression given was positive. We went through the week without a single COVID case. And why was that? Because you could only go on the ship if you were vaccinated. And this is what the cruise lines are generally doing around the world is that you must have proof of vaccination in order to go on the ships unless you're under age 12, in which case they cap the number of under 12s that can go on a ship. And each cruise line is going to feel their way through this. But one of the things that Celebrity did was the cruise was only booked at a little more than one-third capacity, including all the media types. And by the way, I broke the rules. I did not register as a member of working media and paid my own way because that's my thing. I don't accept anything for free. And I didn't want one of the PR people. I watched the minders with the other news crews uh, watching what they said, trying to direct who they talked to and all that. I wanted the freedom to make my own impression. And it was actually very good protocol on the ship and it felt exceedingly safe. I know you may be listening to me right now and you may be reluctant to have a vaccine, or you may be anti the vaccine. I will tell you that as somebody who uh, had the vaccine, it felt very safe being around virtually 100% of the people I was around for a week being vaccinated and not having to worry about wearing a mask anywhere or anything like that. It was really, really a refreshing experience. Uh, ports of call were especially weird because uh, some we weren't allowed off at all. Others, we were tightly restricted what we could do unless you bought a hermetically sealed tour from Celebrity, which I would never do. Not only are they too expensive when you buy from the cruise line, but you don't mingle. You don't get out and be in the environment with the people locally and that was precisely what we were not supposed to do. And I did not get to do any of that. But it was, I think, for the cruise industry, a roaring success because no cruise will have as much focus put on it, at least in North America, is this celebrity cruise that went from Fort Lauderdale. And right as we're speaking, there are a number of other ships that have now uh, – departed from various ports and there's been this ongoing fight with the state of florida and the cruise lines so the cruise lines have moved a lot of their ships that they're sailing away from the state of florida because florida does not allow a vaccine requirement so what the cruise lines are doing is that if you do go on one from florida and you're not vaccinated or can't provide proof of it what they're doing is they are putting you in a penalty box on the ship. So yes, you can go, but there are a huge number of activities on the ship you're not allowed to engage in. And your card will be marked typically with a hole punch or something like that. And you won't have the coveted wristband 
which says you're allowed to go anywhere and do anything because your vaccines have been validated. So it is going to be an inferior experience on cruise ships for the foreseeable future for people who have not been vaccinated. And it is a division, which is exactly what the governor of Florida was trying to prevent, was have people who have not been vaccinated for whatever reason uh, be treated as second-class citizens. But when you're at sea, you will find that if you're not vaccinated, you will be treated as a second-class citizen. And that's the way it's going to play because people are in such close quarters on a cruise ship, it's a perfect grounds for the spread of something like coronavirus. And that's why the cruise lines not wanting to have to turn a ship around and bring it back into port because of an outbreak are doing everything they can to prevent that. But as far as a cruise, we will never, ever experience a cruise like this again because halfway through, most of the media got off the ship in Cozumel and flew back to the United States. It was almost like I was on a semi-private charter. There was more staff than there were uh, passengers. It was an unbelievable experience to walk out on a beautiful afternoon at sea and see the pool deck virtually empty. Krista, wow. what you got? And without the blaring music. <laughs> oh, they still tried some blaring music, but it yeah. was celebrity, so it wasn't loud like okay. you'd have on Royal or NCL or Carnival. I sound like a You sound like an old fuddy-duddy now. So loud. Okay, Clifford in Arizona says, I have two airline credit cards. They frequently offer to sell miles to you that you can use to purchase tickets. Today, there's one on one of the cards for 60% extra miles if you buy 150,000 miles. So you get 240,000 miles for almost $5,000. Seems to me it costs more to buy the miles than if I just bought a ticket to wherever I'm wanting to go. Am I correct on this, or does it ever pay to buy miles? Clifford, it only pays to buy a small number of miles if you're short for a particular award you're trying to get for a redemption. But the math you saw, even with 60% extra miles, you're still paying a fortune, a fortune for those points versus the value you can redeem them for. In addition, all the airlines have inflated their frequent flyer charts. I've been reading about this, and I went on and I did random searches because I'm in all the programs and seeing what they were doing internationally. Would you believe a lot of the redemption levels now require six times the number of points or miles that they required before the pandemic? Six times. So essentially what they did is it's like the Weimar Republic in Germany between World War I and World War II where you needed a wheelbarrow of marks to buy a loaf of bread that's basically what the airlines have done with their frequent flyer miles. Frequent flyer miles points don't get better with time. They become really stinking, rotten, out of date, bad wine. You know how they mm. talk about wine gets better with time? Most wines actually don't, apparently, although oh. I don't know anything about wine. I but I can tell you, frequent flyer points don't get better with time. If you're sitting on a, mile, a ton of points or miles, you want to burn them, not hold them. Tom in Georgia says, I just made a reservation on VRBO for next summer. I think I got a call from the owner who claims she would save me money so I wouldn't have to pay fees. 
This doesn't sound legitimate since VRBO is the one who made the reservation. How can she remove the fees that she owes, I guess they say Verbo, or why would she offer to take less money if she still had to pay them? This does not seem legitimate, but her phone call listed her name and Verbo. Okay, so Tom, this is an ugly scam that first appeared about six or seven years ago. And what happens is criminals figure out the sign-in to VRBO and Airbnb property owners. They go in, they don't take over the mail, they just go in and lurk and read the emails. They learn who's got bookings and things like that, they learn your contact information, then they contact you saying, hey, you know, I can save you blah, blah, blah dollars on your booking, just pay me this way, that way, or the other way. And you're paying a scammer, not the actual property owner. So you smelled a rat here, and there was one. And Jennifer in Utah says, I was scheduled to fly out of Dallas for a mini vacation last week. While I was at the airport, the flight was delayed 30 minutes. Right when the flight began boarding, I received a phone call that they were taking my daughter in for an emergency C-section. She was only 32 weeks pregnant. I left immediately to head to the hospital. The baby's doing great and is currently in the NICU. I thought I'd ask you if you had any idea if there's anything I can do to receive a credit for that round-trip flight or if I'm just out. It was a basic ticket on a big airline, and when I look on their website, it doesn't appear I can do anything about it to receive a credit. I don't want to attempt to call them with the crazy wait times. Do you have anything up your sleeve for situations like this? I'm not worried about the money. It's the best $300 I've ever lost. Any advice would be appreciated, and thank you for hosting your show with kindness and love. Well, first things first, Jennifer, how exciting that the baby is just fine. That is so great is for your money, this is something where you appeal to humanity and calling up is not going to get it done right now, as you know. What you want to do is you want to, on social media, post what happened, post, if if your family will permit, post a picture of the new bundle of joy and say what happened and see if the airline will, they'll probably want to direct message you because they monitor social media like mad, and they may make an exception and give you a credit. But if they don't, you're right. It's the best $300 you ever could have lost. And in this case, think how lucky you are that the flight was delayed and you hadn't flown away and were able to be there at this exciting time. Straight ahead, something not exciting? What you're having to pay when you go fill up your vehicle I'm going to tell you what you should expect next. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Price at the pump has gone way up. I was looking at the wholesale prices just a little while ago, and we were at about a dollar five last year, um, and we were at a point where in a lot of states that are very competitive for gas prices, what you were paying at the pump was one point something a gallon. And now the wholesale is a lot higher than that, closing in on around two and a half, depending on where you look at a retail gallon of gas. So it is kind of crazy how much it's gone up. Uh, national average right now, wholesale, 225 a gallon. And oil prices themselves are at the highest price they've been since 2015. So what do you have to look forward to? It's called OPEC Plus, which is the price-fixing cartel that is made up of the original OPEC members plus a wider group um, that likes to cause trouble in the world like the Russians. They were unable to reach a deal on production and, in effect, pricing. Now, what that's going to mean in the immediate future is pain at the pump for your summer driving. That's not going away. Usually, when we hit the week after the 4th of July, that's usually the peak for gasoline prices for the year, each year. That's usual. This is not going to be usual. In fact, we may see over the next few weeks that the prices continue to rise at the pump because of these much higher prices for a barrel of oil. This came about because the price-fixing cartel last year, when demand fell off a cliff, reached tight restrictions that most OPEC and OPEC-plus oil producers have followed on how much oil to bring out of the ground. They've been trying to manufacture a shortage to pump the price up by pumping less out of the ground. And so far, successful. But I can tell you this, moving forward, they're going to fail. Because what happens always with the OPEC producers and the OPEC plus producers is when the price per barrel moves up, they start cheating on their quotas. And there will be magical additional barrels of oil that will be produced and we'll deal with the supply issues we have right now that have pushed the price up, I figure, by September, October. So we have pricing pain for the next couple of months that is abnormal, and then we'll start to see supply increase, and then the effect of that is it will start to bring the prices back down. And the fall demand in the Northern Hemisphere tends to decline and so that's a natural cycle you add in the additional oil i expect to be produced 
and we will see prices start to come back down to earth some. In addition, there is an effect on demand going on around the world because of the number of electric vehicles that people are buying in Europe and in Asia. We're not buying nearly the equivalent number in the United States. But when you look overseas, people are buying a lot more electric vehicles. And that over time, that trend is going to be your friend on what's going to happen with the overall demand for oil worldwide. Because the oil markets are worldwide. Krista? Okay, Clark, this is from Clifford in South Carolina. I'm accepting a new position that's going to be in a city with limited parking. I will have a five-minute walk or a 15-minute walk, depending on which parking lot has free space available. I believe I heard you talk about fold-up electric scooters, and I would like to explore this option. Do you have any recommendations on a quality or low-price electric scooter that will fit in the trunk of my VW Passat? I look forward to listening to the podcast on my new commute. You're going to find that the electric scooters are going to weigh about 30 pounds. So when you get to your workplace, you're going to have to be in a position to lug somewhere around 30 pounds. But the scooter market was in short supply for a while, and I'm starting to see deals again. In fact, I saw on Woot, Amazon's clearance site the other day, where they do those one-day deals, that they were selling uh, little electric fold-up scooters for as little as $300. And so that's kind of the low price point in the market. Costco is selling a really high-end one for $600. That's a lot of money to spend for something that you do stand the chance will be stolen. So I would look for a more low-end model. And I'd look on Walmart.com. I'd look on Amazon. And you can also look on eBay and see what somebody has for sale. Consumer Reports has done ratings of these, and if you're not a Consumer Reports subscriber, I'll tell you that they like the Segway, which people complain about Segway because of customer no service issues, if you have a problem with yours, but Segway is the biggest player in the market. The Segway 9Bot ES3, that was one of the ones that uh, Woot had on sale earlier this week. And Xiaomi makes one. I didn't know you could get this Xiaomi in the United States. The Xiaomi Mi. And these are both in the $600 range at retail. There's also one that's really, really cheap that Consumer Reports gave a great rating to. $250. The GoTrax GXL V2, V-Victory 2. So $250 beats $600 any day of the week. Okay, and this is from Tom in California. He says, a friend is recovering from cancer. It has devastated her strength, but also her ability to work and her credit score. I'm being asked to put her on my credit card as an additional user without giving her an actual card to use, but just have her listed with me. Does this help build someone's credit back up? I've always thought that secured cards were the way to do that. Have you heard of this method before, and does it open me up to any negative ramifications? Tom, it does not open you up to negative ramifications unless somehow she was able to get a hold of the number and use it 
without your desire because you wouldn't have to have the actual physical card. You know, if somebody has numbers on it, they could use it. Um, a secured card would do a similar kind of thing over time, but you adding her as an authorized user would be much quicker. The reality is, though, is if she has no pays, charge-offs, you know, bad status, open items on her credit report, you adding her as an authorized user is not going to do the trick. It does help once the past credit problems have been cleared up, adding her as an authorized user would be a valuable tool. And I hope she has a full and complete recovery from cancer. Sandy in Michigan says, I'm considering a change to T-Mobile Internet. My concerns are the Huawei connection. Is there any reason for me to be concerned? Not that I am aware of. The T-Mobile Internet, I shared recently that I had tried it and my connection was not strong enough where I am. But as long as you have a good, strong connection, you should be happy with the T-Mobile Home Internet. It's very portable. It's $65 a month now. It started at $50. Now it's $65. But what's great is it's no contract, and you can cancel it at any time if you don't like it. And I'm not aware of there being any issues connected to Huawei with using T-Mobile for home Internet. Eric in Florida says, I left employer A to work full-time at employer B. I stayed part-time at employer A, but no longer contribute to their 401k and don't plan to since they don't match it. Should I roll over my employer's 401k bounce to my new employer's 401k account? Yeah, your new employer has a really great 401k. But since you are still working part-time at employer A, you may or may not be able to transfer over that 401k plan to your new employer. But when you're no longer working there at all, it would be very much to your advantage to move your 401k to your new employer, which would be a better plan. If I'm wrong and you're able to move it now, which I don't think you are since you're still employed there, but if you are for some reason allowed to move the money, go ahead and move it. And I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.